Here's a quick word from our football educational partners over at the Scouting Academy. Listen, we've said it all the time. If you love the analysis and you're passionate about football, then you really need to check out the Scouting Academy. Whether you're a football coach, aspiring writer, or even aspiring football agent, the Scouting Academy is really a perfect place for you to learn and develop your skills as an analyst. With curriculum that spans over 375 years of coaching and personnel experience, the Scouting Academy offers you a 16-week online course that you can tailor and build to meet your needs and your interests. Whether you're learning about wide receivers or defensive linemen, you can make the experience what you want it to be. Listen, I've said it to you on this podcast many times. I've spent my own money, my own time, and time away from my friends and family because I am just this passionate about this game. And the Scouting Academy is the place where I really feel like I've learned the most I've ever learned about the game of football. It's made me a better analyst. It's made me a better person in terms of the coaching I do on the field. I can't say enough great things about it. If you have any questions about the Scouting Academy, please don't hesitate to reach out to Dan Hatman on Twitter or reach out to the Scouting Academy online via email. I'm open to all questions as well. Heck, I'm still even a student there myself. Please don't hesitate to reach out. I really think that once you learn all the tools and gain the knowledge that they have to offer, I really think you're going to be absolutely excited about the game of football again. This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. It is officially NFL Draft Week. We are here. The journey will conclude this week. We have been watching these prospects, analyzing these prospects, talking about these prospects for so long now, and we finally get to see everything happen this week, where guys end up, what's a smokescreen, what's a lie, what's a truth. We get to put all the pieces together this week, and I am just super excited for it. The Draft Projections Notebook went live last Friday. Thank you for all the people retweeting, subtweeting, talking about how much they're enjoying it. I know Matt and I are really appreciative of all the support. You know, we are about one sale away from having 50% increase from our sales in year one. And that is, you know... A huge thank you to all the people who have purchased it, who have supported us, and it means a great deal to us. So I figured I'd do a little bit of a solo pod, just kind of talking about what's the latest rumors, what I'm hearing, and also just a little bit about projecting the draft out, very much of the goal of that notebook, and just kind of give you the condensed, you know, uh, overview here in podcast form of everything that, you know, could potentially go down, you know, in the NFL draft in terms of, you know, how it might happen from all the sources, from everything I'm reading, listening to and watching, you know, putting the pieces together from the greatest draft experts and minds and insiders out there to try to piecemeal it all together in terms of how things could unfold this upcoming week 
in the 2019 NFL draft. So let's kind of get right into it. Top of the, you know, round one. Let's talk about the big picture. Some of the big ticket items that are being out there. There are have been some reports that the Cardinals may not select Kyler Murray. A lot of it has to do with, you know, ownership potentially not signing off on it. Pete Prisco, very respected uh, reporter and writer for CBS Sports, is saying he's on record as saying he doesn't think they're going to take him. There's some other whispers out there. Uh, Tony Pauline said he thinks that Kyler Murray's still going to be the pick in the long run, but they really are going to have to sell the owner on it because he wasn't a fan of trading up for Josh Rosen last year which he was a fan of paying him that signing bonus and now you know trading him for pennies on the dollar and then drafting Kyler Murray paying that signing bonus out so there's a lot of reports out there I think when the dust settles Kyler Murray's still going number one I think Nick Bosa is going to go number two and then I think it gets interesting because there's a lot of reports at pick number three that Ed Oliver could be in play for the Jets that Greg Williams looks at him as maybe an Aaron Donald type would they take Ed Oliver over Quinton Williams, I think is it, or Josh Allen, I think would be fascinating. Most people have had the Jets penciled in for either, you know, Quinton Williams or uh, Josh, uh, or Josh Allen, one of those two players, you know, that make a little bit more sense for what they're looking for in terms of uh, either top end talent in Quinton Williams or that edge rusher uh, in Allen. But Ed Oliver is an intriguing, different type of player that they might see him as a better complement to what they have on their team. And they might see some high end upside pass rush explosiveness from Oliver, which is a little bit different than Quinton Williams. So that's interesting. Then if that happens, it's a trickle down effect. Cause then number four, what do the Raiders do? Do they take best player available? You know, which could be Quinton Williams. Do they take Josh Allen to uh, to replace, you know, Khalil Mack? There's been some reports that they really like Devin White as well. And then obviously, could they surprise and take a quarterback? No one seems to know. You know, and then number five, Devin White has kind of been penciled in there for the for the Bucks for so long. But who's to say if Josh Allen or Quinton Williams, one of each one of those guys could very much be there. Would they pivot off of Devin White if Williams or Allen are there? And if not, well, then the Giants are sitting there at six and could have one of the top defensive players in the draft, either Quinton Williams or Josh Allen, fall into their lap. And I do not think they would pass on either of those guys for a quarterback. You know, maybe they would pivot to a different position uh, like quarterback if one of those guys isn't there. Maybe they're not sold on Ed Oliver. I think he would be the pick if things stayed more traditional and it went more Murray, Bosa, you know, Quinton Williams. Uh, Josh Allen, Devin White. I think Oliver could be the pick for the Giants. I think maybe there's smoke screen and it could be a quarterback, but I'm not sure about that. Also, it seems to be some late buzz around Christian Wilkins, the defensive tackle and one of the leaders from that Clemson defense. I know he's a guy that Dane Brugler has him as his eighth overall prospect. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah has him as his seventh overall prospect. He seems to be a guy that is going to go a little bit higher than maybe what we've been seeing in mock drafts. Sometimes we've seen him fall to the second half of round one in that like 15, 16 to, you know, 23 range. I have a feeling he's going to come off the board a little bit earlier, whether it's at the Giants at six, I'm not sure. But if it's not the Giants at six, maybe it's Buffalo at nine. Maybe it's the Falcons at 14. Maybe it's the Dolphins at 13. I think there's a handful of teams in in there that might like Christian Wilkins more than has been led uh, to believe by many out there. So I think that's an intriguing storyline to follow. Obviously, the quarterbacks, there's so many domino effects because 
once Arizona most likely takes Kyler Murray, where does Josh Rosen end up? Because if Josh Rosen ends up with the Redskins, well, then the Redskins are out on taking a quarterback. If if Josh Rosen ends up on the Giants, then the Giants are out on taking a quarterback. So if all of a sudden the Giants pass on a quarterback at six, and then, you know, I think the, I think the Broncos are intriguing. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they're taking a quarterback this year. So if by chance they don't take a quarterback, well then I think Cincinnati's strongly in play for Haskins. And then, okay, maybe Haskins goes there at eleven to the Bengals. But then a lot of talks been the Dolphins are going to push this off to next year, and that they are obsessed with Tua and things like that. So if Haskins goes eleven and the Broncos passed, and the Giants passed at six, well, then things start to get really interesting because then it's like, okay, possibly Miami has their choice of Drew Locke or Daniel Jones if they want him. But what if they pass also? Because if they pass also, well, then all of a sudden, if the Redskins were the team that wins the Josh Rosen sweepstakes, all of a sudden the Giants could be sitting there at 17, and they could have one or two guys potentially fall into their lap if they, you know, there's rumors that they like Daniel Jones. There's rumors by Jordan Rannan that they like Drew Locke as their top quarterback. So I think it's a fascinating, you know, turn of events that, if the Giants pass on six, if the Broncos pass on six, we might not see the second quarterback taken to Dwayne Haskins at 11 to Cincinnati. And then I think it's up for grabs because I'm not sure Miami takes a quarterback this year. If the Redskins straight for Josh Rosen, they don't take a quarterback, you know, and then do the Giants get one at 17 if they like one enough? And, you know, if the Redskins you know, don't trade for Josh Rosen. They could take a quarterback at 15. Like I already said, the Broncos could potentially at 10. So there's a scenario that four quarterbacks come off the board in the top 15 picks. That's not impossible, you know, with Murray going one, uh, even if the Broncos take a quarterback and then you're talking about the Bengals potentially, and then the Dolphins and the Redskins there and the Giants in the mix at six, even though I don't think they're leaning quarterback there. So there's a scenario where four go in the top 15, but there's also a scenario that two go in the top 15. And then the Giants are sitting there at 17 and maybe two guys are staring them at the face and they choose between potentially two quarterbacks. So there's so many layers of the quarterback. And we know historically teams have traded up to get their quarterbacks, whether it was the Chiefs going up for Mahomes, the Jets going up for Darnold, the Texans going up for Deshaun Watson. You know, last year, Buffalo going up for Josh Allen, the Cardinals going up for Josh Rosen. That's historically what happens. So will the Bengals, the Giants with their second first round pick, the Redskins, the Dolphins, will any of those teams trade up and feel the need to trade up? Or will there be a team from the late first round, the Patriots, the Chargers, you know, there's been some talk about the Packers. Will one of those teams make a, an investment and a move up for a quarterback? And then the latest nugget, and this was dropped by Jay Glazer yesterday. And when Jay Glazer speaks, we should all listen. Because when the Odell Beckham story first broke, people wanted to kind of poo-poo it and say it wasn't legitimate and real. It turned out it was real. And then the story afterwards, Jay Glazer said, he doesn't put things out there just that are rumors that are just might happen. He's not that's not in the business of what he does. He puts out there things that he feels really solidified is going to happen. Now, maybe he puts it out as a rumor out of respect for what he's heard, but he did say that he'd rather be right on five or six things than take a guess on 20 and be right on 10 of them. And I think when he puts it out there that he thinks that five quarterbacks could go in round one, that could very well be him saying he thinks a bold you know, take is Odell Beckham might be traded. Maybe he knows that Will Greer 
could potentially be going in the back of round one, whether he is heard Patriots or Chargers or Giants trading back up into the late first round for Dan, uh, for Will Greer. I think that's very much in play. So I think that's another big storyline to follow. You have the cornerback storyline. Will two cornerbacks go in round one? Will one cornerback? Will there be a flurry of cornerbacks going in that round? You know, how many go in round one? There's so many different pieces to the puzzle. Wide receivers, we might only have one wide receiver. It could be Marquise Brown. Slim chance that A.J. Brown and then the wild card is D.K. Metcalf. Does he go in round one or does he fall to round two? Paris Campbell's another guy on the peripheral, potentially could slide into round one. How many tight ends? So there's so many different layers. So if we kind of just use the rest of this episode as a little bit of foreshadowing in terms of what I'm projecting in my draft projections notebook. And again, if you're interested in, in getting the draft projections notebook, it's $9.99, but that's only one of four notebooks you get. You get the scouting notebook, which has been out since August, which has over a hundred player profiles, strengths, weaknesses, how they win, scheme fits, all that stuff. You get the rankings notebook, which has all our different rankings. It has our draft eligible rankings. It has our draft class rankings based on film and talent. It has our tiers. It has our updated Devi rankings, which include all of the incoming freshmen that we think deserve to be in there. And then right after the draft, you know, I will be updating in real time the dynasty rookie ranking. So at the end of night one, I'll put the guys who were drafted. Then at the end of night two, I'll add those guys. And then at, at, after the day three, I'll add all of those guys in. And by waking up sometime on Sunday, you know, middle of the day, Sunday, dynasty rookie rankings will com- be completely updated uh, for you guys, for people who have their drafts right away. So you, those have been done and you get them as a part of the four notebooks. Draft Projections Notebook just came out this past uh, weekend. That's the third. And then the Freshman Notebook, which will have player profiles on about 40 of the top incoming freshmen, uh, will come out at by the end of the month as well. It is a can't-miss, must-read for all Devi players or people who just want to get a leg up on these guys. But if we kind of circle back to the Draft Projections Notebook, this will be updated throughout the rest of this week. My final update will probably be be the day of the draft, moments before the draft starts. If I'm hearing any latest rumors, updates, and stuff like that, I will do my best. And I will probably put a picture out on Twitter of my projected top 32, top 102, and top 54. So it's kind of out there uh, for everybody to see, even if you don't produce, even if you don't buy the Draft Projections Notebook. Obviously, you get a lot more. The Draft Projections Notebook has tabs for every single position, offense and defense. It has notes on over 400 players. It has their combine measurements if they performed at the combine. It has round projections, and it has the order in which I think these guys are going to get taken. That's in each individual tab. And then there's a tab that's just a big board for the projected top 32 with guys who were underneath it who were just missed, projected top 102, guys who just missed, and projected top 254 every pick in the draft. Last year, we were fortunate enough to correctly predict 28 out of 32 picks in round one, 85 out of 100 in the first three rounds, and 202 out of the overall 256 last year in the entire draft. It's a more crazy draft this year, so I can't say or promise that the numbers are going to be as good as last year, but I'm doing my best to hear everything that's out there and trying to make sense of it all. So if we stay on round one, we've already talked about the quarterbacks. I think four quarterbacks are coming off the board. I think the one guy to keep, you know, in the back of our minds who could be a surprise pick is definitely Will Greer. I think that is very much in play. 
In terms of the running backs, I think the only running back that's coming off the board on night one is Josh Jacobs. I don't think there's going to be any surprise Rashard Penny types that kind of sneak into the back end of round one this year. In terms of the wide receivers, I already mentioned it. I think there's one or two wide receivers who could go in round one. I think Marquise Brown is a lock. I think DK Metcalf right now is in my projected top 32. He's definitely one of the names, though, that could pivot out, and I could switch before uh, drafts kicks off on Thursday of this week. Guys to keep in consideration, I think, are A.J. Brown and Paris Campbell. I think those are the two guys, and then a slim possibility of Nikhil Harry. I think those are the other three guys that could potentially sneak into the back end of round one, but right now I'm saying Brown is a lock. And I'm saying DK Metcalf is the most likely other name to potentially uh, go in round one with AJ Brown as the wild card. Tight ends. I think TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fan are locks. I think TJ Hawkinson's going top 10. I've been circling the Jaguars, the Lions, and the Bills. That seven, eight, nine stretch. I don't think Hawkinson gets past that three picks. I think he goes in one of those three selections to one of those teams. Noah Fant. I think a team to watch on Noah Fant is either the Green Bay Packers at 12 or 30 or the Oakland Raiders with their two picks uh, in the 20s of this first round as well. Irv Smith's the wild card. He sits right out of my projected top 32 right now, but everything I've been hearing and seeing over the last couple days is right now he's the name that I think I'm going to move into my projected top 32, whether he replaces DK Metcalf or another guy yet, I haven't decided, but if you're someone that has the notebooks or if not, when I put a picture out of this right before the draft kicks off on Thursday night, there's a strong likelihood that Irv Smith is going to be in my projected top 32. I think he's too talented. Matt Wallman had a great comp to Delaney Walker. I think there's teams like the Patriots, the Raiders, and other teams at the back end of round one that could use a player like Irv Smith. I think he's the most ready uh, route runner and pass catcher of the tight end group, and he can make an immediate impact more than even a Noah Fant and more than even Hawkinson in terms of the pass receiving game, in terms of being reliable and consistent. So keep an eye on Irv Smith Jr. He's probably going to move his way up into the projected top 32. Offensive line. Right now, I have seven names going in round one. That's Jawan Taylor, Jonah Williams, Andre Dillard, Cody Ford, Garrett Bradbury, Chris Lidstrom, and then Caleb McGarry. I feel really confident that Taylor Williams and Dillard are going to be the first three offensive linemen off the board. I much less confident in the order in which those three are going to come off the board. I think they can come off in any order. Uh, Taylor's the one that you see most often mocked the earliest, but I would not be surprised if Jonah Williams leapfrogs him. I think Jonah Williams is the, is the safest and the most rock solid play variety of positions and going to potentially be an all pro. So I think Taylor Williams, one of those two guys will be the first offensive lineman. The next one will be whoever doesn't go first, but Dillard is the wild card. He could move up into that mix as well. After that, I feel confident that Cody Ford and Garrett Bradbury will go on night one. I think Lidstrom, it sounds like the latest. If if a team is like a zone running based team, I think Lidstrom has a great chance to go in the 20s. And then Caleb McGarry is one of those guys that could pivot out. So Caleb McGarry is a guy who I could pivot out of there and put Irv Smith Jr. in there, or I could pivot him out and put another offensive lineman in there. The guys who... I think are very much in consideration to go in round one that I have just below round one right now is Dalton Risner, 
Elgin Jenkins, and Eric McCoy. So there's a strong likelihood that I kind of pivot out McGarry and pick one of those guys to jump in, maybe even two of those guys, because I think there's a possibility Jenkins, McCoy, and Risner. I think there's a possibility two of those guys sneak into the back end of round one. I think right now, if I had a pick, I would pick Jenkins or McCoy uh, ahead of Risner uh, to go there. So I think those three there are very much possible. The edge guys, I, I feel real confident that there's going to be six edge prospects taken in this first round. Nick Bosa, Josh Allen, Montez Sweat, Rashawn Gary, Brian Burns, and Cleveland Farrell. I, I think those are the guys. I think Bosa and Allen will be the first two. I think the next four, there's a lot of ways they, they can go. Sweat's got some medical issues. Gary's got some questions about him. Burns, this debate about whether or not he can play to run and hold up physically. And then Farrell is kind of been lost in the shuffle, and I think he deserves more credit. I honestly think all six of those guys go in the top 20 picks in the NFL draft, but then I don't think we see any other edge rushers, defensive ends go in round one. I don't even have anybody in my just miss section. I think there's a clear tier distinction after those top six guys before we start getting into the next tier of the Jalen Ferguson's of the world, uh, the Zach Allen's of the world, and stuff like that. I think there is a little bit of a break before we see, you know, LJ Collar, DeAndre Walker. I think there's a, I think there's a little bit of a gap before we get to that tier uh, next. So that's kind of what's going on in the edge position. At the defensive line, defensive tackle position, I think there's four guys. Uh, I think there's five guys. I feel confident that all five of them are going to go in round one. Uh, I think it's going to be Quinn Williams, Ed Oliver, Christian Wilkins, who I already talked about. It's moving up boards. Dexter Lawrence, Jeffrey Simmons, I think all five of them. If I was going to put any wild cards as a guy who could sneak in, I would say that wild card is Jerry Tillery out of Notre Dame. I think he's very much warrants going in the back end of round one, but I could see him fall into the top of round two as well. And then linebackers, I think there's two guys. And I don't think there's any debate about them. I think they're going top 12, Devin White, Devin Bush. I don't think there's any other linebacker in consideration. Once upon a time, Mac Wilson was in play, but I do not think so anymore. At the cornerback position, right now I only have two guys in my projected top 32, Greedy Williams and Byron Murphy, but I think this is the position that can mix things up because Rocky Sin is a name that's get generating a lot of buzz. I think he can sneak into round one. Lonnie Johnson, the long athletic corner from Kentucky, I think he can be around a, a late round one pick. You have DeAndre Baker. Obviously, he was a guy once upon a time considered the top corner in this class. He's fallen off a little bit due to some character questions, work ethic, didn't test as well at the combine, but he's going to be invited to the NFL draft. So there's still enough buzz that people think he could go round one. Right now, he sits out of it. And then the wild card is Sean Bunting. He's a guy who I think is very intriguing. He's been generating a lot of buzz. If there's a real surprise pick at the end of round one, whether it's the Patriots or the Rams, I could see Sean Bunting out of Central Michigan being that pick. So I think, you know, I only have two in there, but I have four other guys that are strongly in consideration that I would not be surprised if any of them kind of get into round one. And at the safety position right now, I have one name and he's not even a lock. I think as I finalize this right up until the draft on Thursday night, I could even see myself taking Jonathan Abram out of my projected top 32 and replacing him with another player from a different position, whether it's another guy from the secondary like Rocky Sin or one of those offensive linemen or Irv Smith like I talked about before. But I do think Jonathan Abram is, is most likely going to be the first pick 
from the second from the safety position. But if not, keep a close eye on Juan Thornhill out of Virginia. He'd be my next guy who just missed, who I think could be a surprise round one pick. If not him, Darnell Savage is another guy rising up draft boards. Could be a surprise late round one pick, but I think he's probably going to be a guy who goes in the top 10 to 12 picks in round two. And then Taylor Rapp, for a long time, he was considered a round one lock, but he's kind of fallen down a little bit. There still could be a team that loves him and is going to kind of put the combine concerns off to the side and just kind of roll with Taylor Rapp and, and, and make him the pick. But right now, I think Thornhill and Savage have a greater chance of being surprised late round one picks than Jonathan Abram. So that's kind of my round one right there. Uh, you know, I have my projected top 32. I have about, you know, tw- 12 to 14 names who I think are in play, uh, you know, 15 other names who I think could be surprised round one picks. I'd be surprised if the top 32 picks don't come from the 45 or 46 guys I have on that tab. I, I truly do believe those are the guys that the first round is going to come from. But last year, you know, we had a couple surprise picks there, uh, you know, with the Steelers making a surprise pick and Richard Penny going in there. So there's always a couple surprises. So it'll be if the surprises that are so far out there that aren't even in the list of 45 guys I, I have or so on my projected top 32. Just a little bit more big picture. I think, you know, I think the top three rounds are really intriguing. You know, so right now I had four quarterbacks going in round one. Right now, I have seven quarterbacks going in the top three rounds with Will Greer, Ryan Finley, and Tyree Jackson. Tyree Jackson, I think, is a questionable one. He could be a guy that I I move down to get somebody else up into the top 102. I think he has a chance to go in round three, but I also could see him fall into the early part of day three as well, especially with six quarterbacks. I clearly think are going ahead of him, plus the Josh Rosen factor. You know, that could take up quarterbacks for seven different rosters. So I do believe that Tyree Jackson could potentially fall to early date three. He's a guy who I could see myself moving down at the running back position. We only had one in the top 32. I do think we're going to see four or maybe five more come off the board on night two. I think Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, Darrell Henderson, and Damian Harris. I feel pretty confident that those guys go. Uh, the one other guy I have as being a top 102 pick is Travion Williams, but he's a guy, another guy similar to Tyree Jackson. He's the last guy on my running back list who I think is projected right now to go in the first three rounds. I could easily pivot him out and move Justice Hill in, or I can pivot him out just like Ty- Tyree Jackson and move players from other positions, whether it's offensive uh, line or D line or more cornerbacks or another wide receiver. So he's a guy who I have on the bubble right now. He's in it, but I could see me switching him out uh, before the draft kicks off on Thursday. At the wide receiver position, I talked about only having Marquise Brown and DK Metcalf in my current projected top 32 with Brown, Campbell, and Harry as my next. I think guys who are locks for day two, you know, obviously Brown, Campbell, and Harry are going to go off the board early if I think they have a shot to go in round one. But add to that list, Debo Samuel, Hakeem Butler, Miles Boykin, Riley Ridley, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Terry McLaurin, McCole Hardman. I think all of those guys are going off the board in the first 102 picks by the end of night two. Right now, the last guy I have as a wide receiver coming off the board in the first three rounds is Andy Isabella out of UMass. But by having Andy Isabella in there, that means I have Calvin Harmon, Emmanuel Hall, and Jalen Hurd in the just miss section. I'm much higher 
than the NFL, it sounds like, on Calvin Harmon. I think he should go. The only pe- person that really seems uh, to have him pretty high that makes me question whether or not he could fall to that is Gil Brandt has him in his top 60. And Gil Brandt, I think, does a good job of evaluating these guys, but also taking information from what he's hearing. So Calvin Harmon is a guy... Or Emmanuel Hall is a guy I could either add and make it 14 wide receivers go in the top 102 or could potentially have them replacing Andy Isabella as well. And then Jalen Hurd is also a little bit of a wild card. I think the NFL is high and intrigued by his skill set. Some other guys like Travis Fulgram, Gary Jennings, Darius Slayton, Anthony Johnson, they could be surprise, uh, you know, late day, late round three picks, but I think more likely those guys are make up, you know, a bunch of the wide receivers taken in round four at the tight end position. You know, we already talked about the big three. I think three other guys are locks now. I'm confident in saying locks that three more guys go in the first three rounds. And those guys, to me, are uh, Dawson Knox, Cahill Warren, or Jay Sternberger. I think those are the three guys who I think are going to go. And I am struggling with the order. I think Dawson Knox could be the fourth tight end taken. I think Warren could be the fifth. And I think Sternberger could be the sixth. if I could look at it and say guys in the just missed who could be some surprises, I think Josh Oliver, Drew Sample, or Foster Moreau are the only three other tight ends that I could see being surprised late round three picks. Uh, now, I remember last year we had Jordan Aikens, which came a little bit off the reservation. So could there be another guy in Alzey Mack, somebody still believing in Isaac Nauta, Caleb Wilson? Sure. But I think if there's a seven tight end taken, I think it's either going to be Josh Oliver, Drew Sample, or Foster Moreau. But I think those guys are right now early day three picks. Uh, with Oliver being my best guess, if somebody was to leapfrog in, it would be Oliver followed by Sample or Moreau. Right now, I'm not going to go through. I have 18 offensive linemen going in the first 102 picks, but I think there's even some guys below. I have Mike Jordan out of Ohio State, Bobby Evans out of Oklahoma, Drew Samia. I have a lot of guys, uh, three guys there that could push it to either 19, 20, or 21 offensive line prospects that could potentially go uh, in the first three rounds. Really deep class there. We already talked about how many could potentially go in round one and how many were on the just miss section. In terms of defensive end or edge, I already talked about the guys, the six guys who I think are going to go in round one. I think after that, you're looking at guys like Jalen Ferguson, Zach Allen, LJ Collar, DeAndre Walker, Chase Winovich, and then Christian Miller is the guy who is my last edge guy who I think could go uh, in the top three rounds. He's got some major medicals, but I could see him intriguing NFL teams. He'd be a guy I feel pretty confident someone's going to take a gamble on late in round three. And then also Anthony Nelson out of Iowa. Uh, he's another guy, really intriguing guys. Anthony Nelson, LJ Collier, Zach Allen. You might see those guys on some defensive line boards because I think they kind of, I don't think they're guys who are going to be traditional edge rushers in like a three, four, but they're definitely defensive ends probably at the next level. Maybe they occasionally kick inside, but you might see those guys based on their size, physicality and play style. Collier, Zach Allen, or Anthony Nelson could be guys that are more classified as D-line slash D-tackle if they kind of put those together. Right now, I think I'm going to pivot and have them all under the defensive end slash edge section. I think all of those guys, so I think 13 guys 
uh, are going to go off the board uh, from the defensive end edge with a couple guys, you know, waiting in the wings, Austin Bryan, uh, Ja'Kai Polite, and then a big wild card who might be moving up for me to make it potentially 14 guys is Ben uh, Bagano out of TCU. He could be another guy who I think is moving up the boards and could be a surprise top 102 pick. So when I talked before, if I pivot and take Tyree Jackson out or Travion Williams out of the first three rounds, a guy like Banagoo could be a guy who definitely moves into consideration and moves up above the just missed cut line on my uh, on my projections. So keep an eye on that. Defensive tackle slash D-line, I think there's going to be about 11 or 12 locks with potentially for more. The final few guys I have are Rennell Wren, Joe Jackson, Gerald Willis, and Kalen uh, Saunders. I think those guys all could go in the first three rounds, but there's a lot of guys I have underneath that could easily go in that area. Uh, Kingsley Kiki, Charles Aminiu, uh, Dalen Mack, all of those guys are guys that could potentially go uh, in the top three rounds. Aminiu is another guy that could be, for some people, lined up as a defensive end slash edge player as well. In terms of the linebackers, I mentioned I only have two in terms of round one guys. I think there could be a couple more that go off the board, though. On day two, Mac Wilson, I think, is a lock. And then if I had to say, right now I have two others, uh, Voshan Joseph and uh, Jahani Tavai out of Hawaii. Those are the only other two that I have going off the board for a total of five. But at the same time, keep an eye on Jermaine Pratt, David Long, Bobby O'Reque, Tavion Conley, uh, Tavion Coney. Those are some other guys that could be surprised round three picks and sneak into this. Quarterbacks, I mentioned them before. Only a couple I think are going to go in round one, but I think there's a lot in round uh, two and three that are going to come off the board. Right now, I have 14 cornerbacks in the top 102, so that's something to keep a close eye on, and that's leaving some guys off like Chris Boyd, Isaiah Johnson, Iman Lewis-Marshall, and Kendall Sheffield, who I think could sneak into the late round three, but could be early round four picks as well. And then the safety position, I mentioned I only had Abram in round one with Thornhill, Savage, and Rap as potential round one guys who could sneak in. Some guys on day two, Chorney Gardner-Johnson, Deontay Thompson, Nasir Adderley, and Amani Hooker. I feel confident that all of them are definitely locks to go in the first three rounds, except Amani Hooker. Wouldn't be stunned if he falls to the early part of round four. Couple guys who could surprise and go a little bit earlier and sneak into the top 102. Marquise Blair, Mike Edwards, Marvell Tell, and Sheldrick Redwine are some safeties that could sneak into the top 102. So there's just a little look at what the draft projections notebook looks like in terms of the, the projected top 32, in terms of the projected top 102 tab right now. You get that updated to the final minute before the draft. You get the projected top 254, which is a great resource to look at. I will be highlighting these uh in real time, you know, I'll also be tweeting out in real time. So I, it might take me a little bit longer to get to the notebook to kind of highlight and keep that updated as well. But you get tabs for every position, you get notes, all of that. It's, it's tremendous resource guys. I think you guys will really appreciate the feedback we've gotten has been fantastic on it. So it's a great thing. Check it out. I know Matt and I greatly appreciate it and support it. And Matt always calls it the TV guide uh, for the NFL draft, a great resource to have open at all times while you're watching the NFL draft. And like I said, we'll continue to update it from now up until the draft is ready to kick off. I will put out there in an image on my Twitter handle, 
my projected top 32, top 102, and top 54. Because once the draft kicks off, obviously there'll be no more edits, and then we'll see how uh, the chips fall and how many uh, we were act, how many we were correctly able to predict. So there it is, guys. Hope you enjoyed this kind of just recapping what the draft projections notebook looks right now, what it entails. If you're listening to this and you haven't checked out the notebooks, guys, please do. I do think uh, you will really be impressed with all the information and content in there. A lot of positive feedback on on social media this week from people like Matt Williamson, Sigmund Bloom, uh, Mark Schofield, uh, so many other guys. Uh, So hopefully you're you're willing to check it out. It is the best way to help support the show. If you're a longtime listener, uh, it's it's these sales of this that kind of help us just kind of cover, you know, our basis and our budget and continue to do what we're doing uh, and, you know, and help you know, uh, provide everything that we're doing in terms of the server and all that stuff. So if you're interested, uh, please check it out. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me or Matt on uh, Twitter and we'll gladly respond there as well. So on behalf of Matt, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.